week, and I forgot to ask him. It's a scenic picture. If you have it, put it up. But if not, while you're talking or while you're looking for it, um, yeah, that's it. I want to start this morning with this picture. And this picture is a picture that I, uh, I took while driving down a highway a couple years ago. Um, I work and live at Hidden Acres Christian Center over near Dayton, Iowa. And as I was leaving, it was a bright, sunny day. It was just beautiful. It was one of those days that, that just a picture-perfect Iowa day. It should be on a, on a calendar, you know. And I remember getting a few miles away and looking back near the camp. And all of a sudden, I saw this. This storm rolling in. And at that moment, it just looked like the day was trying to decide, is it going to be a good day or a bad day? You can just see that happening here. You still got the bright sun, but yet this looming, horrible storm coming through. And this morning, as we jump in uh, to Romans chapter 6, verse 15, that's where we'll be if you want to get ready, but... But that really is where we're at. And that's what Paul is teaching us today. We have to make a decision today between the good or the bad. And so I want you to think of this picture as we are talking through God's word this morning. You know, I married into an incredible family. I'm not kidding. And uh, I actually met my wife at summer camp at the camp that we work at. And we were friends for years before I actually had the guts to ask her out. And even when I, when I did ask her out, I did it by email, you know, because that was, uh, that was, you know, just save me some shame if she said no. But I, I, I emailed her. She said yes. And, and, and we began to hang out a lot together. And it didn't take long for me to notice her family. They were the nicest people I ever met. They were loving, they were caring, they were genuine. What you saw is what you got. And I was fortunate enough also to grow up in a Christian home, a loving home. So all of a sudden I had the best of two worlds, you know. My wife was one of those oops babies. Uh, She had two older brothers that were about 16 and 18 when she was born. So it was almost like starting over again. I remember my mother-in-law telling me, you know, when I found out I was pregnant... We were just about ready to get the boys out of the house, and I was pregnant again. And she goes, I told the Lord, this better be a girl. And she was blessed with a little girl. I love this family. Her oldest brother, my wife's oldest brother, treated me like a brother. I never had a brother growing up. I had a sister. And Bubba was his nickname. So Bubba joked with me, man. He he roughhoused with me. We wrestled. He cared for me like I was his own brother. I was a member of the family. And as Kristen and I, Kristen and I's friendship grew into a a dating relationship and then engaged, there was still one family member that I hadn't met. It was her second brother, Lonnie. For this entire time of getting to know the family, Lonnie was incarcerated. He was in jail. I heard about him I was told about him, and I think I even might have talked to him on the phone when he got his call to call home, but I had never met him. And and for all purposes, I had been told that Lonnie was this great guy. He was friendly. He He was funny. He was nice. He was caring. But the problem was Lonnie just made the wrong decisions constantly. 
You see, Lonnie came from the same family as Kristen and Bubba. He was loved the same. He was cared for in the same way. He was disciplined in the same way. And for all other reasons, should have turned out the same way, right? Kristen and Bubba never had a problem with the law. But beginning at age 14 or 15, Lonnie just began to make, just began to make poor choice after poor choice after poor choice. To this date... Lonnie has been jailed and imprisoned too many times to count. In fact, he's been in prison more than he's been out since I've known the family. He's been to rehab. He's been sober. He's been high again. He's been in and out of relationships, three failed marriages so far. He's had jobs. He's lost them. He's gained friends. He's lost them. He's healed relationships with family members only to break them again. And as much as Lonnie has tried to clean up his life and bad choices... He's stuck. He's stuck. Lonnie, by definition of today's passage, is a slave to sin. Now, before I go any further, I want to say boldly that I am sure we are all, to one degree or another, a slave to sin. We're not perfect, and the scriptures tell us over and over again that the battle with sin is real in all of us. No person is greater or less sinful or sinless in this area. And if you believe that you're better than Lonnie, I think you have the wrong opinion of yourself, and you certainly have the wrong understanding of what sin is. I, standing before you here, can honestly tell you that I struggle with sin too. I struggle with my own sin cycles. And there are things that I work through to gain success in during my life only to, to fail again and fall into that area or fall into something else. Sin is going to plague us. Through our life, we're going to have to constantly guard against it. And the only difference between the Lonnie and I is that my choices aren't as bad as him when culture and society looks at him. But to God, we're on the same plane. As we continue in our study of the book of Romans, we're going to see today that Paul addresses this very issue, the sin issue that's common to man. It's common to our flesh. And Paul will issue a a challenge to all of us today. He will force us to make a choice. One is the right choice and one is the wrong choice. And today, if you haven't made a choice, I pray that you do. If you have your Bibles or your apps, if you would turn to Romans chapter 6, verse 15, we're going to read God's word here in the letter of Paul. And it says this, Verse 15, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient 
from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves to righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. It's almost like Paul is dumbing it down here for us, you know. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now you present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and in in its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the question is this this morning, church. Are you a slave to sin or are you a slave to righteousness? It's a simple question, right? I wish it were. See, last week Andrew taught that if we are followers of Christ, we are free from sin. And that's very true. There's, there is no other thing that we need to do to guarantee our freedom from it. It cannot rule us. Jesus took its place, and if we confess, God is faithful to forgive us of our sins. That is all true. But why do we still feel like it controls us sometimes? Why is it so hard to avoid? Maybe we need to start with the word slave. You see, the word itself brings an uneasy feeling when we say it. And America's history and modern history has a horrible reputation when it comes to slavery. To enslave somebody against their will, to treat them horribly and consider them as property or livestock is is absolutely wrong. There is nothing good about this at all. And, And I just pray that our world would see this and stop the slavery that still continues. Paul in this passage is calling us to be slaves, though. It sounds strange that that what he is teaching is we are to be slaves. But to righteousness, not to sin. So what does that mean? Well, let's look at the other side of Paul's message first. Let's, let's look into being a slave to sin. Right off in verse 15 here, you see Paul makes it very clear that, that the grace that is given to us by God is not a free ticket to sin. He also echoes or also begins saying that in verse 1 of this chapter. In other words, knowing that God will forgive sin no matter what is not, is not a reason to continue to sin. Having the mindset or the attitude of, oh, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway because God will forgive me is a total misunderstanding of grace. 
It is because of abounding grace that we should have the opposite mindset. (laughs) Understanding all that God gave freely because of what his son did on the cross, we should have this feeling of of gratitude, appreciation, and and thankfulness and mourn. It should overflow out of us to the point that we don't want to sin anymore in order to honor the one who has done something great for us. When something that incredible has, done for, has been done for you, you shouldn't take it for granted. Let me put it in perspective, maybe something that hit home, hit home, hits home a little bit better. Most of us here in the United States carry a debt of some sort, financially. Be it a, a house, a mortgage, credit cards, loans, whatever it might be. We owe money that has been borrowed and sometimes that amount gets almost too much to bear. That's another sermon for another time, okay? But let's say that your debt has burdened you beyond belief and it's a constant stress in your life. It might be the root of arguments, frustration, feelings of hopelessness, doubt, depression, This burden of debt weighs on you. Now let's say a person comes to you and says, I'm going to pay all your debt. They know they can do it. They have the means to do it. And they decide to carry that burden for you and pay off every single penny that you own. Your arguments... Your frustration, your feelings of hopelessness are suddenly solved to one degree or another. They're gone. Not something that you have to worry about any longer. And all this person asks in return is not that you pay them back. Just be my friend. Can you imagine if somebody came up and did that for you? I could guess that you would give that person a great amount of respect, attention, consideration, love for an act like that. And you'd probably listen to what they say and and take their suggestions. You would honor them in that manner because of what they've done. Church, Do we have that feeling and understanding towards Jesus? Do you and I truly realize what Jesus has done for us? I think we need to grasp this in order to understand the rest of Paul's teaching of what it means to be a slave to righteousness. Paul points out that a life of continued sin choices will lead exactly to what the Bible promises. If we choose to be a slave to sin, it will only lead to death. Not only a physical death, but a spiritual death as well. It leads to nothing good. And that is the nature of sin. Paul is not encouraging the sin side of the slave discussion at all. Paul's encouragement is to become slaves of righteousness. Slaves to good. Slaves to doing what is right and willingly doing it. 
And not because it will add up and give us access to heaven. Paul's pointed out earlier in the book of Romans that righteousness is not obtained by acts. You, you cannot do enough good things to tip the scale in order to gain your interest into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Grace is given to those who seek it with their heart. If we look at verse 17... Paul gives thanks because it says, you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to what you were committed and having been set free have become slaves to righteousness. Where is your heart? Do we understand what Jesus did for us? Maybe the next thing we need to think about is our obedience. Are you and I obedient? Do we heed the wisdom of the scriptures? Do we take it literally or do we, do we twist it? Do we hear what God is teaching and challenging us with and obey? Or do we fit it to what comforts us the most? In another book of the New Testament... Second Timothy, Paul teaches a warning to this. In Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, he says, For the time is coming, and maybe this sounds familiar, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, Christ followers, always be sober, minded, endure suffering, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. You see, Paul is bringing you to the scripture and he's not afraid to offend you. If the scriptures offend you or make you feel uneasy, church, it's not the scripture's fault. But are we these people? Do we look at the scriptures and pick and choose what we want to hear? What truths we think are acceptable? What teachings we think we are willing to follow? Are we slaves to righteousness? Are we slaves to our sinful selves? That's a real question. How are we influenced day to day? Are we allowing ourselves to be influenced by God's teaching? His word and our meditation on it? Or are we being influenced by the other things of this world? Politics, news, movements, groups, movies, etc. Whatever it might be. Social media. I personally have had a real rough time over the last number of months wrestling with what's right and what's wrong in this world. I feel like... like I have never seen the country more divided than it is now. And the funny thing is, everybody's expected to choose a side. Do you feel that? If you don't agree or if you don't make a public stand, then you don't support and then you don't belong. Even people in the body of Christ are acting this way and it pains my heart. They're, they're choosing small things to fuss over in order to just make a point. You guys, what's more important? The arguments of the world or the arguments of the gospel? What are we going to let rule us? 
personally, I found myself lacking joy. I hid it well, but sorrow, anger, depression began to slowly creep in. And before I knew it, that's how my day began. All I had to do was turn on the news. And within the first few moments of the day, my mood was set. And it wasn't a joyful mood. The influence of everything around me was not steering me towards Christ. It was steering me to get involved or take a side or make an argument for anything but Christ. I turned off the TV. I turned off the radio. I turned off the social media. I had to shut down and shut up everything that was making me a slave to it. My general mood and existence was plagued with anything but joy and happiness, and it wasn't a good place to be, nor was it enjoyable. I realized just how far I had let things of this world occupy my life and my time. And I knew Christ could change all that, but I had to be willing to let him, and I had to do the footwork. I had to do something because I didn't enjoy where I was. The sin that I chose was too easy to carry out. As a result, I was ill-tempered. I was, I was mean to people. I was judging. I was ridiculing. I was gossiping. I was making jabs and comments. I was putting people down. That's what came pouring forth in these moments. It was not who I desired to be. And, and all of a sudden, it was present without warning. I didn't even know I was doing it. It was ugly. Something had to change. And, and thankfully, my wife and I were allowed a week off to just vacation together. And we took our camper to northeast Iowa and camped for 10 days. And you guys, I made an intentional decision during that time when I had no distractions to wake up every morning, to open up God's word, to read it with my wife and enter into a time of worship and prayer together. And during that, during that retreat, all I had was hiking and fishing. And, and God stirred my heart that week to what was most important. All the arguments and the taking sides in this world, you guys, when you die, it doesn't matter. The gospel matters. Refocusing my eyes on Jesus gave me joy, surprisingly. It gave me more clarity to my world my purpose in the world. And I had to choose daily, and I still choose daily, to understand the gospel once again and what Jesus did for me. That is my morning every morning now. I had to teach myself to follow in obedience and be a willing slave to Christ because I understood every morning what he did for me. I had to believe that his desire for my life was good. It wasn't a promise that life would be easy, 
But he desired for me to experience the fullness of his love and his blessings. And I had to choose his truth over my thoughts and opinions. And I had to commit to him fully daily. And praise God, I still do. Church, when are we going to fully commit ourselves to Christ? When are we going to actually live out what we say we are already doing as a Christian? When are we going to heed the warning of Revelation 3, 15 and 16, where God says, I know your works. In other words, you can't hide from me. I know what's going on in your mind and your heart. And you are neither cold nor hot. And he pleads, would you either be cold or hot? So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. We think we hide things. We think our sin isn't that bad. We justify what we do. But we can't hide from him. He sees it all. As slaves to righteousness, Paul points out that there should be fruit from our choices and actions. And I'm questioning you, what is your fruit? In the last two months, as I've kind of redirected my life and, and shut out the echoes of the world, God has blessed me with two encounters with men who are just struggling with life. Broken men. And I was able to sit and talk and pray with them and spend time with them and pointed them back towards the gospel and the promises of Jesus Christ. I didn't solve their problems. That's not for me to do. I was so blessed that God used me in that moment of time to speak truth. And call out the lies of this world to these men. Church, we're being called to the floor here. and There's no doubt about it. And Paul is pointing out the obvious here. And that is we need to be slaves to righteousness. That is the right choice. We need to be heeding the teaching of scripture. And more than that, we need to be realizing the depth of the gospel and responding to it with so much appreciation that we desire nothing less than to be a willing servant of it. Just like that friend that paid off your debt. Jesus has paid off your debt. God knows that sin will always be a struggle in 1 John 1. 8 through 10, he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and, to, and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You see, God knows what we will encounter. He knows the struggle that we will forever wrestle with on this earth. He also tells us that he's made a way to avoid sin. So what does that mean practically for us? What, what changes 
once we walk out these doors. That's a choice that you have to make, but here's some thoughts, okay? I think we need to figure out what our influences are. What are we listening to daily? What are we putting in front of Christ? What are we being taught, told, and challenged to buy into? We need to look at these influences and ask ourselves intentionally, are these things lining up with what Christ is asking of me? Are these teachings showing the gospel? And if not, you have some things to wrestle with, and I suggest get rid of those influences. Look at the sin areas of her life. And be honest with yourself. That's my next suggestion. Don't downplay sin at all. Sin is sin. What are the sin issues that you deal with way too often? Is it how you talk to people? Is it what you're doing behind closed doors? Is it what you're saying about people? Is it things you've hidden? Where have you become numb to sin? And what leads you into that? What cycle do you need to break in order to have freedom from it? And what truths from Scripture do you need to cling to in order to have victory in these areas? You guys, it's all there. And it's not just a snap of the fingers that fixes it. It's going to be a challenge that you need to engage in every day of your life. And you need to make a choice for righteousness at every moment you are faced with those sin choices. I believe that God desires for us to have joy and have it abundantly. John 10.10 says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, that I have, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And I think way too often we get to the end of the day, and if it didn't go well, we say, well, that was just a bad day. I made this mistake, but I made it before. It didn't go my way. When are we going to realize that every day is a battle for righteousness? Every moment is a battle for righteousness. And just as this verse warned, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You see, the every day that you wake up, Satan is ready for you. And yet we go about our day as if we just assume he took a day off. If you're burdened right now, lacking joy, saddened, depressed, with all that's going on around you, fight for joy. Fight for joy. Start by choosing the gospel in the morning. Know how much you are treasured and how much you are loved and believe it. Know what Jesus did for you. And choose to do what he is asking of you. Choose his will, not your own. And follow and serve him and those around you. Share the gospel and be the gospel. Paul ends this passage with a very clear warning. Romans 6.23, and that's a common verse that if you grew up in the church, you know 
But it says plainly, it's almost like he's summarizing everything. It says, for the wages of sin is death. That's not a complex sentence, folks. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You and I have a choice. Sin and death or righteousness leading to sanctification and salvation. My brother-in-law, Lonnie, unfortunately is still a mess. He's in his 50s. He struggles with life on a daily basis. He knows the gospel. He says he's made a commitment to Christ. However, his actions or fruits speak otherwise. Google Lonnie Larson and you'll see a page full of images, mostly mugshots. You see, Lonnie is obviously stuck in a complex cycle of sin that I often just look at and and assume that he could just stop if he wanted to. But the truth is that there's a depth to his sin that I don't understand. I don't know. Only Christ knows and only Christ can save him. And is it possible? Absolutely. I have no doubt that that Christ could radically change Lonnie's life. Christ has done that for so many people. But the problem is Lonnie chooses sin. God doesn't force us to choose good. He gives us a choice. And Lonnie chooses sin much like the rest of us in this room. And he chooses it over and over again. And sin leads to more sin, leads to more sin. And he's in a pit, you guys. It's painful to him. He knows. And it's painful to those around him. To this day, I... I, I honestly don't know where he's at. I don't know where he lives. I don't know where he, I don't know. He hasn't stayed in touch. The only time he calls a family is if he needs something. He's ignored people. He's got a daughter and a grandson that he's destroyed relationships with. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he's incarcerated somewhere. My brother-in-law, as nice as he is, has chosen an obedience to sin and what the scriptures promise is happening in his life and I see it played out. Be a slave to righteousness. Be a willing slave to Christ. Understand all that he has done for you. And with a heart of thanksgiving, I pray that daily we choose to be obedient to him. Let's pray. God.